Hello and welcome to Abscond with Ethan Renault. I am Ethan Renault. This episode was recorded today at the nursing home where I'm a chaplain. Uh, sometimes I think the messages are more interesting than others, so I post them to my podcast feed. The only downside is I don't have a high-definition recording microphone there with me, and it can sometimes be a little noisy in the room. For instance, one lady has her oxygen machine going the whole time, so you'll hear that, hear that in the background. Um, it was recorded on my iPhone at the nursing home where I work. It's an examination of Lamentations 3. Wow, say that five times fast. But we've been going through the Book of Lamentations and just kind of looking at the major themes, the historical context, and for I think I discussed most of it in the message, but for those of you who don't know, Lamentations is written after Assyria and Babylon invade Jerusalem and destroy the temple and take half of the people away to their respective nations. And so it's just a book of lament in hard times. And the first two chapters are just nonstop hopelessness, pain, anguish, crying out to God, that type of thing. So this is Lamentations 3, um, where the writer, traditionally Jeremiah, kind of takes a little turn and starts to examine God's goodness, his faithfulness, and his covenant to Israel. So um, yeah, I think the rest of it will be covered in the message. So I hope you enjoy. I hope this is helpful. And uh, yeah, here we go. Are you good, Betty? Good on oxygen? I'm fine. You're good? All right. Um, So we're going to start off today with a story. And I can't remember if I've told this one in here before or not. But we've wanted new people, so it doesn't really matter. Um, so this is my brother, and in 2018, he bought a brand new 2018 Subaru. Um, it's not the Outback. I'm completely blanking on which model it is. What is it? Forester. Yeah, Forester. That's the 2018 Subaru Forester. He bought it right off the lot, brand new, um, zero miles on it, obviously. And he drove it off the lot. My family was there with him. We were all like celebrating, like, we've got his first car. So he drives us off the lot. We go to dinner together. And so then he goes back to his house. There was about 15 miles on this car, brand new. It's been on the road for 15 miles. And that night, he wakes up to a strange sound. Around 3 a.m., he looks out his back window and he sees this. That was his, someone had lit his brand new 2018 Forester on fire and it spread, he had like parked in a little lot and there's four cars in that lot and all four of them just completely went up in flames. And if you heard that pop, that was one of the tires exploding from the heat. Um, So he, there were 15 miles on that car. He drove it home, parked it, and at 3 a.m. someone lit it on fire. And so the next day it looked like this. That's his brand new Forester. You can still see the new plate, the dealer plate on it right there. And obviously all the other cars next to it also got destroyed by the fire. Um, So somebody had it out for my brother, um, or they probably just saw a new car and said, hey, let's mess this up or let's destroy this. We don't know who did it. We never found out why it happened. And we were also worried that 
because it was driven off the lot, we all know that when you drive a car off the lot, it loses thousands of dollars of value instantly, right? So of course he's like, will insurance cover it? Will I get, like, did I just lose thousands of dollars because I drove it off the lot and that very night it was destroyed? It turned out that insurance like examined it, they heard the whole story and um, decided to not only cover the entire car, but also to give him what was called like trauma victim um, benefits. So he got a few extra thousand dollars. So he went back to the dealership about a month later once all the paperwork was done, ended up getting the nicer model of the Subaru Forester with like upgraded stereo, sunroof, all the fancy bells and whistles. So what initially looked like something evil and terrible, which it was, like somebody came along and did this injustice to my brother, a month later, he was actually in a better position than he was before. He had a nicer car than the one he started out with, even though there was a brief moment of horror, terror, like someone let my car on fire. And honestly, uh, it could have spread to his house right behind it and burnt his whole house down and possibly injured or killed people inside of his house. So obviously it was a terrible thing. Ended up working out better for my brother in the long run. So we're gonna kind of look at um, something similar in Lamentations chapter three. Um, there's a similar type of shift that we're gonna look at. First, we're gonna read the passage and then we're gonna discuss it. But for those of you who have not been here the past couple weeks, Vern, what, what, what have we gotten out of Lamentations so far? The first two chapters of Lamentations. <laughs> I'm not very good at summarizing that sort of thing. Is it a happy book? It's dealing with problems. Dealing with problems, right? Betty, you were here last week, right? What? You were here last week, right? I didn't hear that. She doesn't have a rearrangement. Oh, were you here last week? Oh, yeah, yeah. What do you remember about Lamentations from last week? Oh, come on, don't put me on the <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone else was I can here. Tell you Darlene. Before that. <laughs> it's years that I wasn't participating. <laughs> okay. Your body was here, but your mind was somewhere else. That's like me all the time. It was a lot like Joe. It's like Joe. How so? Oh, and the awful things just kept happening. Awful things kept happening? It wasn't his fault, anyone's fault. Yeah. Yeah. So, just to recap for the the newer people. Um, with Lamentations, we have the nation of Israel, which we might lose sight of this because the Bible is written by Israelites, but Israel is a country about this big. And then you have Assyria, which is this big, and you have Babylon, which is this big. And um, about 600, 500 BC, five or 600 years before Christ, those two giant nations invaded the tiny little nation of Israel and took half of the population back to Assyria, and then the other half went to Babylon as captives, slaves. Um, so this is written during that time period when Israel has been sacked, the temple's been destroyed, the people are scattered across the nations. Um, so the book of Lamentations is full of just that, lament, right? That's where it gets its name from, because it's sad, it's a heavy book, it's not a happy book, and the first two chapters have been completely hopeless. It's Jeremiah who wrote it, 
saying, God, why would you let this happen? Um, the Hebrew word for lamentations actually, um, like the, the title of the book in Hebrew is the Hebrew word for how. How could this happen? <laughs> how could God let this happen to us? So in Hebrew, the book is just called How, um, which I think is a pretty fitting description for it. In chapter 3, we're actually going to see a, a slight shift where he remembers God. He remembers that God is still in control, that God is faithful to his people, and he has not forgotten about them. So I'm going to pray for us. We'll read the chapter and discuss it. God, we thank you so much for your presence with us. We thank you that you are faithful to us. You have not forgotten us, no matter where we are in life, no matter how dark and bad things get. Lord, you have not forgotten or forsaken us. Um, and we just thank you for that. Pray that your word will speak to us today, and we will draw closer to you by reading it and learn something new about you. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. So it's kind of long. I'm going to kind of read the whole thing. Um, it's about 900 words. Um, so I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we'll discuss it. So I'm going to go through it kind of quickly, okay? I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old and has broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. So if you remember last week, we talked about how interesting it was for an ancient person to have their own God turned against them, right? In the ancient cultures, your God always fought for you. He always destroyed the surrounding nations for you, right? So in Lamentations, it's super interesting that God is portrayed as the enemy of Israel. You're like, wait, why would Israel's own God turn against them? That wouldn't make sense in the ancient context. So he's continuing that theme of God is against me. This is like a first in the world. He has walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Even when I call out or cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has barred my way with blocks of stone. He has made my paths crooked like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in hiding. He dragged me from the path and mangled me and left me without help. He drew his bow and made me the target for his arrows. He pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. I became the laughingstock of all my people. They mock me in song all day long. He has filled me with bitter herbs and given me gall to drink. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has trampled me in the dust. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Does this sound familiar from anything we just sang earlier? 
Yeah, now you know where that song comes from. Yeah. Lamentations chapter 3. And, oh, is that Jeremiah talking? Uh-huh. Yeah, he's the author of the, yeah, we don't know 100%, but Lamentations is traditionally attributed to Jeremiah. Yeah. So when we sing, morning by morning, new mercies I see, great is your faithfulness, that came directly from Lamentations chapter 3. Did you know that that was in the Bible? Now you do. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. Let him sit alone in silence, for the Lord has laid it on him. Let him bury his face in the dust. There may yet be hope. Wait, this is the first time we've seen anything positive in Lamentations. He seems to be turning a corner here, turning a little bit toward hope. Let him offer his cheek to one who would strike him, and let him be filled with disgrace. For no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love. For he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. To crush underfoot all prisoners in the land, to deny people their rights before the Most High, to deprive them of justice, would not the Lord see such things? Who can speak and have it happen if the Lord has not decreed it? It is not from the mouth of the Most High that both calamities and good things come. Why should the living complain when punished for their sins? Let us examine our ways and test them, and let us return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and our hands to God in heaven and say, We have sinned and rebelled, and you have not forgiven. You have covered yourself with anger and pursued us. You have slain without pity. You have covered yourself with a cloud so that no prayer can get through. You have made us scum and refuse. All our enemies have opened their mouths wide against us. We have suffered terror and pitfalls, ruin and destruction. Streams of tears flow from my eyes because my people are destroyed. My eyes will flow unceasingly, without relief, until the Lord looks down from heaven and sees. What I see brings grief to my soul because of all the women of my city. Those who were my enemies without cause hunted me like a bird. They tried to end my life in a pit and threw stones at me. The waters closed over my head and I thought I was about to perish. Um, by the way, this is from Jeremiah, I wanna say 40, somewhere around there, chapter 40. Um, Jeremiah was thrown into a pit by the king of, I can't remember if it's Assyria or Babylon, but the king of the captive nation threw Jeremiah into a pit, um, if you read the book of Jeremiah. So this is one of the places where they think Jeremiah is the author because he was thrown into a pit. <laughs> I called on your name, Lord, from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea. Do not close your ears to my cry for relief. You came near when I called you, and you said, do not fear. You, Lord, took up my case. You redeemed my life. Lord, you have seen the wrong done to me. Uphold my cause. You have seen the depth of their vengeance, all their plots against me. Lord, you have heard their insults, their plots against me, what my enemies whisper and mutter against me all day long. Look at them. 
sitting or standing. They mock me in their songs. Lord, oh, sorry. Pay them back what they deserve, Lord, for what their hands have done. Put a veil over their hearts and may your curse be on them. Pursue them in anger and destroy them from under the heavens of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Amen. So, I know that that was really long, but what stood out to you? What are your thoughts, questions, comments? Betty? Well, he's taking the blame, uh, even though he's not the only one who is bad. It was the Israelites that were bad, right? But it sounds like he's taking the blame himself because he was the leader. Mm, yeah, great observation. Um, there's a couple, a couple thoughts on that. I was reading about that exact thing and why he kept saying I, me, and not like us, yeah, we. Yeah. Um, most people think that he was basically just personifying Israel. Oh. So he was speaking as if he's Israel. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So the I refers to the entire nation of Israel, uh -huh. not just Jeremiah. Yeah. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, that's a great observation. And then other people think, um, or I, I guess both, both of these. Um, another way to think about it is if you're Jeremiah, you might still feel like God has turned his back on you. Because, um, for instance, right now in Yemen, there's a lot of people being persecuted and starving and pushed out of their homes. You know about this in Yemen? That's happening right now in Africa. Um, I'm sure that every single one of those individuals feels the same way. Why has God abandoned me? Um, what did I do to deserve this? Why is there no food for me? My enemies are crushing me. You feel that on the individual level, but it's also still true of the societal level as well. Does that make sense, Betty? Like, um, so I think it's both and. Israel as a whole turned their back against God. They didn't have any righteous kings. Um, or they had two, but out of dozens of kings, it's not very many. And so Israel as a whole sinned against God, but that um, the punishment, the, the pain and the anguish, the suffering, is also felt on an individual level as well. So that's a really good observation. I don't know if that fully answered your question, but I think it's kind of both and. Individuals suffer and feel the pain, as well as the entire nation is being punished as one. Make sense? Kind of clear as mud. Well, it sounded like in the middle of it, he was feeling God and, and uh, feeling better. Mm -hmm. But then he went on the next page and talk about how awful it was again. Mm -hmm. Was that the same, same person or the same? Same person? What do you yeah. mean? Or was that two different situations? No. What I see happening, um, I mean, I wish that it was kind of shorter so we could kind of look at the whole thing at once. But if you look at the entire chapter, uh, the first two and a half chapters, so chapters one, two, and the first half of chapter three, is like, where is God? There is no hope. God is my enemy. He turned against us. He hates me, right? And then through chapter three, it kind of shifts, and they're like, wait, actually, there is some hope. Yeah. 
God hasn't forgotten us. Let's remember the covenant that God made to us. And he's going to be faithful to that promise that he made to us. And he kind of turns and he starts writing as if he's not forgotten by God and God is faithful. So he did go back to talking more about some suffering. Mm -hmm. But if you kind of look at it more closely, and we don't have time to read the entire thing again. (laughs) But if you look at it, he's still suffering. But he still kind of remembers like, but God is still faithful. But God is just. But God will have mercy. But I can have some hope again. Um, So even though there's still suffering and pain, he kind of is looking at it now in light of, oh yeah, that covenant God made me. Or that promise God made us um, all those years ago. He's still going to be true to that. So let's look at that actually. I kind of mentioned that. Any other initial thoughts before we move on? Well, near the end of that passage, there was a bit about asking God to put down his, the enemies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noted that too in my notes. Um, great observation that initially God is the enemy of Israel, and by the end of it, God is the enemy of Israel's enemies. Did you see that? He's like, God, you will strike down those who persecuted me. It's like, wait, God's back on our side again? God's on my team again? Oh, that's good news, right? If God's on your team fighting for you, as opposed to fighting against you, that's going to be good news, huh? Yeah, I'm glad you caught that, Vern. Good observation. Anything else? Jane? Lee? All right, cool. Well, historically, um, do you know, do some of those Israelites stay there? I know the majority go back to Israel. But do some actually stay there? That's a good question. And there's not really any way of knowing because we're talking about like tens of thousands of people going to a different nation. I'm sure some of them may have married Assyrians and stayed there or married Babylonians. And, but there is um, like the return to Israel at the end of the Old Testament. Yeah. So most of them, I think, return to their homeland of Israel. Good question. Um, So in this chapter, we start off, like I mentioned, with the same lamenting, hopelessness, Jeremiah's condition that we saw the first two chapters. But there's a turning point halfway through where he recognizes God's presence, wisdom, faithfulness, and grace. Um, And at the end, like Vern pointed out, we also see God turning from being the enemy of Israel to the enemy of their captors, fighting on the side of Israel. Um, We also note, Jeremiah's solution isn't just be more positive, think happy thoughts, and everything will be okay. He actually says, I remember my affliction. I remember my wandering, my hopelessness, the bitterness. Um, I'm going to skip this part and come back to it. Has anyone here ever attended a Seder dinner? Betty has? Yeah. Um, where you eat everything in the proper order. So if you remember, there's a part where you specifically take the bitter herbs and you eat them and you kind of drink them with the salt water. Um, It might be horseradish or something like that. And you intentionally eat something really bitter and strong. Why do we do that? Is it just to like shock your taste buds? No, it's a tangible way of remembering the bad things that happened as a way of remembering, like, 
God brought us through those bad things and brought us to where we are today. So we don't just remember the happy parts of our lives. We don't just remember happy thoughts. We also want to remember the hard parts and the painful parts. Because when we remember the painful parts, we're able to see that God brought us through those painful times. And so the next time we go through something painful, he will also bring us through that as well. Um, And this goes back to what I was talking about with my brother's story. My brother was in a really dark place when someone lit his car on fire. But it ended up working out really well in the end. So the next time he goes through a really tough time or something really bad happens to him, he'll be able to look back and say, oh yeah, bad things have happened to me in the past, but they've always worked out in the end. Right? This is a Latin term called Felix culpa. Anyone heard this before? It means glorious fault. Or like, you know, like a, a crack. Like a... Or sorry, not glorious. I don't know why I wrote glorious. It's happy. Like a happy fault. Um, and the idea is like if Adam and Eve had never sinned, which is a really bad thing, there would be no need for Jesus to come and redeem us, which is the best thing. Right? So something that started off as evil, as bad, wicked, turning away from God, ended up being something really beautiful, glorious, and great. So this is a Latin concept come up with, come up, came up, sorry, theologians came up with, um, talking about how something can be really dark and bad in the moment, but it ultimately leads to something better. Again, without the hard times, we have no need for good ones. We cannot recognize them. And this seems to be the conclusion Jeremiah is reaching in chapter 3. When bad things happen, the goal is not just to forget them immediately and wipe them from our mind, but to recall them in the future when there are more bad things to help us to endure and hold on to God again. Here we see the first glimmers of hope and lamentation. So this is what I was talking about earlier. How there's a shift. He remembers God's faithfulness. And he kind of has that perspective for the entire rest of the chapter. The word here used for mercies is chesed. Everyone say chesed with the throat. Chesed. Okay, no one's going to say it. (laughs) On the count of three. One, two, three. Chesed. Right. It's a Hebrew word. You know you're saying it right in Hebrew if you're like coughing something up out of your lungs. Chesed. And it's a covenantal word. And it means that it's recalling the covenant that God made, like his unfailing, steadfast love and mercy, which he will not forget. Um, they need to remember the covenant God made, and it will help them get through the hard times. Don't, however, confuse this for a promise that bad things will never happen. There's a difference there, right? God promises to never forget them, never leave them, but this doesn't mean your life will just be easy and great and nothing bad will ever happen, right? He promises to be with us. He doesn't always promise it will be easy. Relying on this promise means that as Christians, we can always say the best is yet to come, right? No matter what happens to us in our lives, the best is yet to come. Like Jeremiah, even in the darkest moment of your life, 
we can look forward and say, I might be in a lot of pain and suffering and agony right now, but God has not forgotten about me, and the best is still yet to come. And again, Jeremiah remembers the faithfulness of God. So those are the final thoughts. When we are tried in dark times, it helps to return to the word of God and the promises he makes in it. We can examine our past trials from our own lives and remember how God brought us through them and know that he will take us through this one as well. Um, any other final thoughts on that message before we move on to one more thing we're going to do today? I would say that uh, when you talk about bad things happening, when I was uh, just ready to go back to college for my second year, mm -hmm. I had this cough or whatever, and the doctor said that I had TB. Mm -hmm. So they sent me up to a TB hospital. And uh, I had to go down every morning because you had to spin into something. And, and then there was the, the Indian, uh, it wasn't where there were a lot of Indian people. And they came in there. They, the dads would send their sons over to say things to me that weren't very nice. And I was just about ready to, I mean, it was a terrible time. And then, um, all of a sudden, uh, after, I don't know what, I suppose I'd been back to the doctor there or whatever, he said, well, you can go home now. I said, what? He said, you can go home now. So I called my dad and I said, dad, can you come and get me? I can come home. He said, honey, you can't come home. I said, yes, I can. He said, I could. The doctor said I could. And that experience really changed my life because I thought that all my future of college and everything else was going to be, you know, mm -hmm. was going to be gone. Yeah. And to this day, I'm, I'm really thankful for that mm. because I never, I shouldn't say never for anything, but <laughs> I never took anything for granted like health yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. So it turned out to be a positive. Mm, exactly. Did that experience affect your choice of majors? Did that, whatever you want to call it, ordeal, affect your choice of a major study? <laughs> no? Did that experience like change what you studied in college? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure all of us have stories like that. I even have one. I had a sore throat for two years. Every day I'd wake up and just had a terrible sore throat. And um, eventually I had my tonsils removed and I looked inside of them and found this rare type of bacteria that antibiotics doesn't kill. So I had taken so many antibiotics, nothing solved my sore throat until I finally had them removed at the age of 27, which is super old to have your tonsils taken out. Um, but for two years, I had constant pain every day. And so now whenever something bad happens, I'm the same way. I'm like, 
Well, at least I don't have a sore throat every single day of my life for two years. So it's not that bad. So yeah, I think that we absolutely can look back and be like, well, I was suffering, but God brought me through it. And he'll bring me through this one as well. Um, That's a big theme throughout the entire Bible, this idea of remembrance, right? Um, He constantly is making covenants and saying, remember this. Remember when I brought you out of Israel. Remember when I flooded the earth but saved some people, um, saved Noah and his family. Remember when I did this and this and this. Um, So yeah, absolutely. I think Jeremiah in this passage is realizing that, the remembrance, um, remembering God's faithfulness, remembering all these things. Any other final thoughts or comments, complaints? I'm glad it ended like this. You what? I'm glad it ended like this. Well, the book isn't over. There's still actually two more chapters. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Um, I'm going to lump chapters four and five together next week. So we'll only do one more week of Lamentations. And everyone said, finally. But um, next week is interesting. He kind of focuses on Israel's sin. Um, he kind of turns from remembering God's grace to then repenting of sin, which is a good transition. What we're going to do now is take our cue from Jeremiah um, just for a couple minutes. We're going to follow a similar pattern for about 30 seconds. We're just going to be silent and reflect on the difficult things we might be going through. Um, I know that life is never easy. Um, We have rare moments of happiness, and the rest of it is pretty painful. So we're kind of going to reflect like Jeremiah did. It's it's okay to be honest, to just quietly complain to God, cry out to God to... Just talk to him and be honest with him. I'll give you about 30 seconds. And then after that, we're going to read together a uh, confession on the screen. Um, Just like Jeremiah, we cry out to God, we lament, and then we confess what we have done against him. So take about 30 seconds and just be honest with God. read this confession together. Merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. We have not loved you with our whole heart and mind and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive what we have been. Help us amend what we are and direct what we shall be, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. All right. Uh, Let me go ahead and pray for us. We'll pray for Carol. Pray for Bob. Any other prayer requests that we have for this week?
I'm also going to pray for my dad because he had prostate cancer and he has prostate removed and now he's getting radiation. So he's about halfway through his radiation treatment. So I'll go ahead and pray for him as well. Anything else that we need to pray for? All right, let me close with some prayer. Jesus, we thank you that we can gather together, that we can read your word. We thank you that we can be honest with you, that we can cry out, why have you done this to us? But we also thank you so much that you have not forgotten us, you have not left us on our own. Um, we trust that you will be faithful. You will remember us, and we will remember, remember your promises. Uh, we want to pray for Bob, for Carol, and for my dad. Lord, all their different health concerns and health issues, Lord, just lay your hand on them. Please touch them. Please heal them. Restore them to full health quickly. Um, bring them back to us um, as quickly as possible. Lord, we thank you again for your word, for your constant presence with us, and for your promises to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. All right, well, I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. And thanks for coming out. Jane, you were here before, weren't you? Um, I'm not sure. I, I, I know that I, I was going to come one time, and I forgot about it. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, it's great to see you all again. Thanks for coming, Lee, for the first time. Hope you come back next week. Oh, uh, yeah. Thanks, Ethan. Yeah, thank you. I think we're all done. All right. No one fell asleep this week, so that was good. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I know Vernon was worried about falling asleep before he even got here. Well, I don't think so. Oh, no? We sometimes get caught up in the yeah, television hole we should have gone to. <laughs> yeah. I know I always want a nap after I eat lunch. Uh huh. A little full belly. Seriously. Yeah, it's my second cup of coffee time. Oh, is it? The afternoon, yeah. Yep. Yep. Keep it going. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, thanks again.